Father God, again, again, we come to you recognizing you're the one who's truly sovereign and uh, you're the one and the only one, therefore, that holds our entire uh, lives and our well-being in the hollow of your hand. And Father, we're so thankful for your grace, whereby we are hidden in a rock, indeed, that rock being the Lord Jesus Christ, a rock that cannot be moved. Father, thank you for drawing us out of this world and its many trials and um, concerns, concerns that are temporal, because all things in this world are passing away uh, in your good timing. And, uh, Father, we just uh, thank you that we have an eternal prospect. Father, I pray for our president and leaders, that uh, you would be with them, protect them, guide them, direct them, Give them success in promoting those values that uh, our people desperately need. So many of our people, Father, are in darkness and uh, bereft, really, uh, just separated from uh, the light uh, that is uh, the only true light, the light of the world, our Lord Jesus Christ. So, Father, I pray that your truth would continue to be shared as, as we've been thanking you recently in regard to Genesis salvation, that those who possess your truth might minister in a proper way and and then share that truth. And as we do that in the body of Christ, Father, we, we know that that's your method for bringing new ones in. Father, we just look to see now, as we open your word, how you'll work in a, in a, in a way that's a great blessing to us. And we would ask this, Father, in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, amen. Well, let's uh, let's open the Word again together. We've uh, spent some some of our fellowships on the earliest portion of the Book of Acts, there, Acts chapter one, two, and three, where where we see what today I I am calling the Pentecostal or the Holy Spirit dispensation <laughs> it's not normally called that by by theologians but i think it should be because that's the clearest thing revealed there in those chapters that uh, beginning on the day of pentecost and uh, then in those days and and actually years that follow up until the salvation of, of the apostle paul uh, there is a special work by god through the Holy Spirit, and uh, to call it the Holy Spirit dispensation makes a lot of sense to me. You could call it Pentecostal, but there are so many that use that word in 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 a un, in an unbiblical way that I'm not so sure that's uh, the best word. But certainly, it was Pentecostal uh, in the sense in which we've been considering it here from the Word of God, right? special manifestations of the Holy Spirit that were appropriate for that day and time uh, because of prophecy and because of the foreshadowing of great events. Once Christ uh, was uh, offered up by Israel, at Israel's hand, you recall, right, Uh, and suffered greatly and then died, right, giving up his own spirit. He was not, by the way, murdered. He gave up his spirit willingly, but it was at the hand of the Jews and then the Romans, right? And then God gloriously raised him from the dead after he had, of course, uh, 
fulfilled the purpose for which he had come. Uh, and much of that purpose was still unrevealed. It had to do with uh, the full and free and and absolutely astounding deliverance from sin in every respect. Um, and much of much of that, not in every dimension, but much of that we have already received today. And but much of that was not yet revealed at that time. But some was, and the foreshadowings of the coming of the Lord, again, the second coming and of the establishing of the kingdom, those things were very clearly at hand there and very visible. So those living at that time were the ones that had the blessing of seeing those great miracles. What we saw is that, and we've, we've seen this for a long time now as we've been studying the long war against God, but what we've seen is that the kingdom was foretold in prophecy by by a great many prophets all the way from the beginning. Um, and we'll see that again today. I just referred to in one particular part of Peter's uh, speech there uh, on, that, on that great day, not on the day of Pentecost, but a little bit later, as recorded in chapter 3 of the book of Acts. Uh, what we saw is that... that um, the kingdom was foretold in prophecy. And then it was the kingdom was prepared, right? Because the people of the kingdom were prepared, right? And and that was uh, through John's preaching. And then we saw that uh, that kingdom was declared as being even at hand. That means uh, you can begin to see it even now the evidences of it, the foreshadowings of it, and that's uh, something that the Lord preached Himself. In his earthly ministry, and also the disciples and apostles preached. And then, of course, uh, the kingdom was offered, right? Uh, beginning in Acts chapter three, 2, rather, uh, on the day of Pentecost. And then again in chapter 3. We'll look again at that in a moment. In chapter 3. Then the kingdom is rejected, right? And uh, that is increasingly the case as the leaders of the Jews systematically really reject the preaching of Peter and the others. And even in the midst of great signs and wonders being performed, right, that could have only been performed by Almighty God in their midst, right, they still reject the preaching uh, that Peter offers. And then when we get to chapter 8, uh, which we will get to in another couple weeks, Lord willing, we see the final uh page in that revelation of the rejection of the kingdom by God's chosen people, right? In the stoning of Stephen, right? Acts chapter chapter 8. Then the kingdom is revoked, taken away. There's no more offering of the kingdom at all. And now uh, the apostle Paul is saved and grace now begins to be uh, revealed in its fullness through him. And the Gentiles come into the picture in a mighty, mighty way, right? Previously, the ministry was to the Jews. Now, it's to the Gentiles and to any others, because even the Jews, by God, are considered to be as if they were Gentiles. Um, as Paul preaches the message of grace. Finally, the kingdom will be restored, and uh, that uh, is yet to come, but the book of Revelation is so much about it, as well as 
many of the prophets. Okay, so that's the whole scope of, of what the Bible reveals concerning the plan of God. We saw that the kingdom was first offered in Acts chapter 2, and that was uh, at Peter's preaching there, where he preached that even though these Jews, in fact, they were right there in Jerusalem, right? Many of them were right there, and uh, some heard him preach that day. Some of those directly involved in turning the Lord over to the Romans, right? Having rejected his message to them, right? So what Peter preaches is that he's been raised again from the dead, okay? And uh, that the time is nigh now for him to return and to bring great judgment. So, of course, the message was one that they should have taken to heart, right? They should have. Uh, with God, they would take it to heart, right? Even today, uh, Israel is so blind. But um, the nation was being held accountable for the death of their own Messiah. And now Peter preaches that there is there is a way of escape. There is salvation that's available. And uh, that salvation came to many who actually on that day received that great message. Peter said, repent, be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of, of the Holy Spirit. Right? Um, then some time passes. Peter and the others, other believers continue to live in this realm of great Pentecostal glory, right? Signs, wonders, and miracles are being worked out as they preach. And all of that authenticates the kingdom message. Remember, the kingdom message requires authentication by signs, wonders, and miracles, because that's the proof that God's really working in that fashion. We get then to Acts chapter 3, where there's another offer of the kingdom revealed, and uh, it all happens uh, in the sphere of these amazing mighty works of God, and in fact, there is a man that is healed. He was he was uh, born uh, lame. Uh, he never learned to walk, uh, even from his earliest days. Even later, he didn't learn to walk. That's what I should have said. Uh, and uh, it's such a great miracle because it's done publicly. The healing happens publicly, and everybody knows this man, there's no question about him being truly crippled from his youth, right? So when he's publicly healed, uh, then, of course, there's, there are many questions being asked. And, and the leaders of Israel want to know what is happening here. And so uh, they, they ask the questions, you know, <laughs> how can this be explained? Well, Peter... Peter preaches boldly in a way quite similar to how he did on the day of Pentecost. But there are some differences, which we've talked about already, but not many. But he says in verse 19 of chapter 3, Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord, and he shall send Jesus Christ which before was preached unto you, whom the heaven must receive until the times of restitution of all things, which God hath spoken by the mouth of all his prophets 
his holy prophets since the world began. Okay, so this message of the kingdom was preached from the beginning in one way or another by all the holy prophets, he says. Um, okay, that brings us to where I want to start today, but I want us first to just consider this gospel that was being preached, just so we have clearly in mind what that was, because now after reading this section here in chapter 3, we can make a, a long list, really, of what was involved in the preaching of this gospel. What was the content of it? The gospel is a statement. It's good news from God regarding salvation, right? And uh, the terms uh, of the agreement preached <laughs> are clearly revealed, right? So the content of the gospel, that's what must be believed if one is to become a child of God, right? The content of the gospel. What does it involve? What's included? And here's the list, and we've, we've made this list before, so all I'm going to do now is read it quickly. This is the list. First of all, there was a necessity for calling on the name of the Lord, right? You had to call on the name of the Lord to be saved. That was clearly revealed by Peter. And that was a direct reference back to Joel chapter 2. In fact, everything that's happening here is is revealed, at least uh, these, these miracles are foreshadowings of what Joel preached way back there to Israel many, many hundreds of years before, right? Calling on the name of the Lord, it was a requirement. Repentance concerning the coming kingdom and its king, right? Uh, and the rule of law of the kingdom, that was a requirement, repentance. Water baptism as a sign of the cleansing uh, was required. The promise was given then of forgiveness in a future time at the actual second coming of the Lord, right? There was a promise also of the giving of the Holy Spirit, and he did come in a mighty, mighty way at that time and would continue that work, that miraculous work, throughout that whole period, right? Uh, until finally that particular ministry of the Spirit ceases, right? But when the kingdom is established, imagine what will occur then, right? Universal healing of all that go into the kingdom in natural bodies, right? So that will be the final and complete fulfillment of those Joel uh, prophecies. Okay, so we see that the preaching of the kingdom is uh, accompanied by signs and wonders that authenticate that preaching. And then there was a promise that God would restore all things. Uh, that's here in chapter 3. Uh, that, and that would be done by, by Jesus Christ. He would accomplish what's called the restitution of all things. That means to cancel out many of the effects, not all, but many of the effects of sin that came upon humanity and upon the world uh, through Adam's sin. The kingdom will be a marvelous place indeed once that has occurred. Well, the final thing is that this was all for Israel. Israel first. Gentiles would ultimately be involved, but Israel first has to come 
to the foot of the cross, as it were, and uh, received by faith their Messiah, who was the, their Savior as well, right? So personal faith was certainly required, but we see these other things added in. There were not any believers who did not uh, fall in line with this, with miraculous power of the Holy Spirit at work. In fact, that's really the, what characterizes this period of time, is the miraculous work of the Holy Spirit in accomplishing all of these things that we've just been considering. Many of them are, are mentioned in the gospel itself as requirements. But of course, when the Holy Spirit is given to people and there's this manifestation, for example, um, we see the, um, um, the, the, the compliance with, or you could just say the, the absolute obedience, uh, to the kingdom law that, that is demonstrated, right? That's just not something that they kind of worked up in the flesh. That's something that was just there amongst the believers because the Holy Spirit was upon them. The Holy Spirit was accomplishing this obedience to the kingdom law. Without that Holy Spirit work, it would be impossible to live up to the law in that way. And you know that today. There are many today who try try to, desperately try to live up to every aspect of, of the kingdom law. Of course, they fail continuously, right? And that's not any surprise to anyone, right? But at that time, there was compliance because the Spirit of God was upon them all in a mighty way. That's very clearly revealed in these chapters in many, many verses. So that's the, 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 uh, the main theme of these chapters then as we go ahead. And we'll see that more today as we get into chapter four. Well, the gospel that Paul preached was quite different in significant ways because, of course, the message itself was different. The, uh, you know, <laughs> the works were essentially uh, excluded, right? No, nobody can come to Christ by, by presenting his, his good works, right? Uh, that is absolutely uh, unacceptable. But at that time, back then, the works were required, and... Uh, that, that's just a clear difference. Uh, also, there's no evidence in Peter's preaching there in those days of the completed and final work of Christ on the cross, whereby every sin was paid for, past, present, and future. No evidence of that there. It does talk about sins, but it was the sins of the people in delivering Christ over to be crucified, and their failure as well to live up to the law, right? But, but the grace of, uh, of God manifested in that uh, cross event is not revealed till later. And see, we stand upon that, right? They couldn't stand on that then because they didn't know of it. So there are major differences here, and we've already spent considerable time looking at that. Um, let's just go on now then. I, I want us to, um, to have this clearly in mind. So I want us to read these verses, if um, you would read for us, Linda, out of chapter 3 of the book of Acts, that would be great. Verses 12 through 21. And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, Ye men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Or why look ye so earnestly on us, 
as though by our own power or holiness we had made this man to walk. The God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, hath glorified his son Jesus, whom ye delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate, when he was determined to let him go. But ye denied the Holy One and the just, and desired a murderer to be granted unto you, and killed the Prince of Life, whom God has raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses. And name, through faith in his name, hath made this man strong, whom ye see and know. Yea, the faith which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. And now, brethren, I warrant that, that through ignorance ye did, as did also your rulers. But those things before had shown by the mouth of all his prophets that Christ should suffer, he has so fulfilled. Repent ye therefore and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out when times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. And ye and he shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached to you, whom the heavens must receive until the times of restitution of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. Amen. Thanks, Linda, for reading that for us. Well, we see the whole scope of it, uh, Peter's preaching in that day. Uh, now, Roy, if you'd continue reading from verses 22 through 26, we'll see the, the conclusion of Peter's message that day. Roy? For Moses truly said unto the fathers, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren, like unto me. He shall, him shall ye hear in all things whatsoever he shall say unto you. And it shall come to pass that every soul which will hear, which will not hear that prophet shall be destroyed among the people. Yea, and all the prophets from Samuel and those that follow after, as many as has spoken, have likewise foretold these days. Ye are the children of prophets and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying unto Abraham, and in thy seed shall all kindreds of the earth be blessed. Unto you first, God, having raised up his son Jesus, sent him to bless you, and turning away every one of you who has from his iniquities. Okay, thank you, Roy. Now you know, I'm sure that when that word is used, it means more than hearing with your ears. Okay? <laughs> if you hear the word of the Lord, it does not mean... Oh, I, I heard a preacher once talking about this. That's not what it's talking about. It's talking about oh, personally taking it in by faith and obeying it. Okay, so the emphasis here is very much on obedience to that word, which what? All the prophets revealed, right? Okay, so they were all under Moses' law, it's just that it's now being intensified by the Lord. Uh, in a way that's quite profound, right? The, the level of obedience that believers were demonstrating in those days was extreme obedience, right? And, and of course that was not possible through human strength. 
it's not that they were religious people and you know dedicated religiously to whatever the uh, Pharisees and scribes and Sadducees and so forth were teaching them. It's not that at all. It said they were from the heart doing this because the Holy Spirit had come upon them and had come within them and was manifesting these great things, right? Notice also, <coughs> excuse me, it says here that uh, during this time, the person who is in the very center of focus is the Lord Jesus, right? Notice that he's called that prophet. And at that point, Peter quotes from uh, from Deuteronomy, right? Uh, that God would send that prophet someday who would accomplish all of his purpose, okay? And so these now who've delivered him over, those are the ones who, some of whom are hearing Peter speak that day, right? Uh, they've delivered him over to death. They haven't received that prophet and, and heard his words at all. In fact, just the opposite. Notice that he says here that those who will not hear him will be destroyed from the nation, right? Destroyed. In other words, removed. God is going to remove them from, from the nation, right? Because they will not hear, in this case, his son, who is called then here the seed that was promised, right? So there's so much in this little message that's to be taken note of. And notice finally that great blessing of God is to be gained, but only through him, right? Uh, and then he adds, in turning away every one of you from his iniquity. Notice it says every, right? And that's the, 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 the common word here. As the Holy Spirit's work is universal within that group at that time, right? So, a gospel is preached, the gospel of the kingdom, and God is working accordingly to draw many to, to faith in his son, whom he now has sent forth, uh, born, delivered over, died and now raised from the dead and now manifesting kingdom work. So there's a foreshadowing very clearly here of the coming kingdom. Okay, so that's how the gospel worked at that time. Now I'd like us to consider some other characteristics of the Pentecostal or Holy Spirit dispensation. Now these things... uh are not preached as part of the gospel message itself, but they are characteristics uh, of how God worked at that time. So if you looked in, in a uh, assembly of believers at that time, uh, day by day, hour, you know, or, or year by year, whatever, you would see these characteristics manifested in a mighty way. And so what were some of them? Well, we know some of them already, like signs, wonders, and miracles, they would continue, but but uh, there's more more besides, and I want us to see that here in Acts chapter 4. And we have a lot of verses here. I hope we have time to get through this. Uh, okay, let's start out then with Patty. You can read the first four verses in Acts chapter 4 for us, please. And as they spake unto the people, 
the priests, and the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved that they taught the people, and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them, and put them in hold until the next day, for it was now eventide. Howbeit, many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of the men was about 5,000. Thank you, honey. So, Lord God is working in a mighty way. Now we have uh, about 5,000. Of course, only, only the men were counted in that. So probably 15,000 or more counting the women and uh, the children who are old enough, right, to be saved. Uh, let's continue on there. So, uh, Linda, would you please continue reading there for us in Acts chapter 4, verses 5 through 12. We'll see how the leaders of the nation respond to this preaching. And it came to pass on the morrow that their rulers and elders and scribes and enacted the high priest and Caiaphas. How's that pronounced? Caiaphas. Caiaphas and John and Alexander and as many as were of the kindred of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they set them in the midst, they asked, By what power or by what name have ye done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, Ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to this impotent man, then what means by what means he is made whole? Be it known unto you all, and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. This is a stone which was set at naught of the builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, by where he must be saved. Okay, thank you, Linda. So, so Peter has an explanation for this great healing, right? It's very simple. He says, Israel's Messiah, long promised by the prophets, whom you rulers claim you worship, right? He was rejected by you, but he has been raised gloriously from the dead. And now he is at work, right? That's a simple explanation as to why this man crippled from birth has been healed dramatically in such a public way. It is the working, he says, of God, and it's by the name of Jesus that it's been accomplished. And then he adds, this is the stone that was set at naught by you builders, which has become the head of the corner. They ought to have been shaking in their what sandals. They ought to have been shaking in their sandals. Yeah. Fear, the one that, that 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 they had expected, they rejected, not even knowing who he was, right? Considering him to be evil and impostor, right? And now he's been proven to be, as it says here, the head of the corner. In other words, the head of the great building God's going to build is, in fact, the one whom you have delivered over to death, right? He now will judge you, right? That stone is going to fall upon you. There were prophecies that specifically made that clear. Uh, unbelievers would be ground to, into dust by that stone, that great uh, 
stone, which had become the head of the corner. Okay, so as a result, there's no salvation in any other. You have to come by faith uh, to him or you will be judged. That's the message. Okay, let's keep going. Uh, now we see there's another kind of uh, manifestation of uh, this work of God. This is kind of a long section. And um, so, uh, Roy, would you please read from verse 23 to 31? And being let go, they went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. And when they heard that, they lifted up their voices to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is that all in them is. And by the mouth of thy servant David has said, Why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For of a trust against the holy Child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, but he brought in Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together for to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. And now, Lord, behold their threatening and grant unto the servants that with all boldness, they may speak the word by stretching forth thy hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of the holy child Jesus. And when they prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. Okay, thank you, Roy. So what, what happens is that they requested the Lord uh, g great miracles to be performed, and that's exactly what happens. And in fact, they, the ones who are being judged, as it were, by the leaders of Israel, the religious and, and secular leaders, these very ones now are filled in a mighty way and speak the word of God with even more <laughs> Unity and boldness. Unity is kind of the key thing there. They they are in unison preaching, and God is working these great miracles. Now, let's finish up there. This section, is, unity is going to be the theme now. And it's an, a unity imposed by the Holy Spirit, which is an amazing and marvelous thing. Patty, would you read for us just those, those verses there, 32 through 37, please? And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that ought of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things common. And with great power gave the apostle witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Neither was there any among them that lacked, for as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them, and brought the prices of the things that were sold, and laid them down at the apostles' feet, 
and distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. And Joses, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which is, being interpreted, the son of consolation, a Levite, and of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it, and brought the money, and laid it at the apostles' feet. Okay. Well, now you see how this great miracle of the Holy Spirit operates, okay, in those days. And so they have this perfect, I guess, communal system, right? It's a perfected communal system instilled by the Holy Spirit that was upon each one. Notice the word all is used. They all did these various things. And... uh that included the distribution of everything they had uh, for those that had need, right? And it says, if they were the possessors of lands or houses, they sold them, and they brought the money that they received to the apostles' feet. And then the apostles used that money to meet the needs of everyone, okay? Communally, this was a great communal System, the greatest that the world has ever seen. What what has been accomplished uh, imperfectly by various communist dictators was accomplished perfectly there by the Holy Spirit of God, right? And uh, the results were magnificent. Uh, you know, what this does is set the stage for the next chapter where we'll start next time. And you will remember it probably because there are several great miracles that occur there, which nobody can explain today who don't rightly divide the word of truth, right? Because they assume that what's happening uh, today is exactly the same as what happened in those Pentecostal days, such is not the case. It is not the same today. Today we're supposed to be open-hearted, kind-hearted, willing to share with those that have need, right? At that time, it just happened. Why? Because the Holy Spirit was doing it in each believer, right? What a difference. What a difference. Today, uh, the leaders of the churches demand, <laughs> sometimes require, right, according to the church covenants and so forth, that you provide uh, so that those who are in need can be taken care of, right? At that time, no one had to demand anything. It was all taking place through the power of the Holy Spirit. And when someone didn't demonstrate that willingness, and we'll see that next time, they were removed by God from among the assembly, right? Just like was promised, right? If you don't hear that prophet, right, then you'll be removed. So this was the kingdom work. The kingdom's being foreshadowed here. What an incredible, incredible thing. Well, it all uh, is happening exactly as the prophet Ezekiel wrote, and we've already looked at that. I won't reread it now, but if you'd like to go back and read in Ezekiel 36 and 37, you'll see it all revealed there. God's spirit was upon them and within them, and they were being caused, to quote Ezekiel, to walk 
in his statutes and keep his judgments and do them. Well, I hope it's a blessing as we see how God worked at that time. But don't forget that God's working today according to the abundance of his grace. He's not compelling anyone to do anything, right? He is encouraging. The Holy Spirit today encourages us to live in a way that's quite remarkable for the unsaved when they see it, right? Because they don't live like this. But we're encouraged. They were compelled. That's the difference. And it's because of the difference in the message and the difference in the dispensation today that this is all happening. Well, praise the Lord. That's where we've come. I hope and pray that each one who hears these words will each day gain in appreciation of the perfected grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, right? And through our lives, whether that's lived out in abundance or lived out with great need, whether we're in health, whether we're not in health, however it may be, right? God's work today is to manifest forth his grace, and it is sufficient. And you just remember the Apostle Paul, he had some thorns in the flesh, but the Lord did not remove them for good reason, right? And and for opportunity, really, for Paul to learn so much more of the grace of God and what it really uh, really is in its uh, its full power, right? So praise the Lord. May we be blessed today as we live these days that the Lord's provided with the abundance of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Indeed, uh, always there working. Uh, praise the Lord for it. Well, if you have any questions or comments, I would ask that we consider that now. Any questions or comments? Is God's grace wonderful? Amen. Yes. (laughs) Amen. Okay, well, enjoy the Lord all, and uh, we'll uh, we'll go to the Lord in, in prayer and thank him for such great grace. Father God, thank you for gathering us today to, to consider again what you're doing, what your work is. And it was a marvelous and miraculous thing back in those days in the early chapters of the book of Acts because of the kingdom that was being foreshadowed, right? That will be uh, a work indeed when you send back your son and uh, he accomplishes judgment on this earth and uh, Everything is rebuilt, as it were, and uh, he establishes uh, his kingdom upon this earth and rules this earth with a rod of iron. Father, I I know uh, as we read of that, it's uh, sort of amazing to us that this will and, in fact, that this shall occur according to your perfect will and purpose someday. But, Father, I pray that we wouldn't forget what you're doing today. We're not in that kingdom, but we are in a kingdom. The kingdom, Paul says, is the kingdom of his, meaning your father, beloved son, our Savior, the Lord Jesus. Indeed, we are in his kingdom today, and we rejoice in that. 
Thank you for every spiritual blessing that has been poured out and continues to be poured out. Thank you that your love will never forsake us, that it in fact cannot, and that we are in the very center, therefore, of your working today under grace. And Father, I pray that we would be lights and a bold testimony uh, to others that you bring our way. We may not yet know of your grace. And Father, as we do that, we would just thank you and praise you. In Christ's name, amen.